So I'm not going to lie. I had a tough time writing the review for this movie. Now, our review of Bullet Train is out on goggler.my and you can read it there. But it took me a while to write it only because I felt I had very little to say about this movie in that it's a lot of fun. I had fun while watching it. I thought Brad Pitt is fucking brilliant, as always. The cast were really good. The chemistry between all of the characters was great. It was a pretty faithful adaptation to the novel that it's based on. And yet, there was nothing about the movie that kind of stood out. Like, this is a movie that's in the vein of John Wick and nobody. I know the concept is slightly different because this is like Die Hard on a Train. It's like Speed on a Train. It's one of those sorts of movies, right? It's the action movie that takes place in a self-contained moving environment. Like Speed, like Air Force One. And that location adds itself a certain character, right? Correct. That's kind of the point, yeah. For the most part, a very well-made and entertaining movie. But yet, I don't know what it is about Bullet Train. It didn't leave me the same way, say, nobody did. It just felt like this was Tarantino light. I won't say it's Tarantino light. I would say it's more John Wick light. I think a Tarantino film tends to have a lot more going with regards to story. I say Tarantino because of the nature of the film. So John Wick isn't as chatty as this movie. This movie is a very talky movie and it's a very Tarantino-esque style of talking, right? There's a character that's constantly citing Thomas the Tank Engine, just like how one of these Tarantino characters will be going on and on about some pop culture thing that annoys him or whatever. You know, it's a very... It's his style of writing. And to be fair, the book, the original Japanese novel, also kind of used that. Like, if you read the original novel, the two names that would come to your mind are Tarantino and the Coen Brothers. I will have to agree with you. I think your article makes it out to be a little bit more of a slog than I expected. But when I saw it, I thought it moved really well. But I get what you mean. Because I was I was sitting here thinking about it. I won't say I don't remember the movie, but it's not going to stick with me. Not the way something like Die Hard stuck with me, right? Why does a movie about... Bruce Willis's character who's trying to keep his marriage going while being stuck in the situation that he found himself in, why was that more compelling than this? Okay, maybe a bit more violence. But even then, it's not as guttural. The violence wasn't as physical as the violence is in Bullet Train, right? Bullet Train, there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat. Die Hard had men shooting at each other from three floors away or whatever. And all of that stuff's great because it's David Leach, right? So you expect from the director of Deadpool, from the director of Atomic Blonde, you kind of expected the action to be this good because, you know, that's his signature. That's what he does. Mm. And so I can't actually fault the action at all. And also David Leach's use of the train, those confined spaces, the bar carriage, the toilets, all of that is used to great effect. And you're right, it's propulsive, it moves, it isn't a slog. And I and I apologize if my article kind of implied that because I did have fun at the movie. I was just trying to put my finger on why it didn't leave an impact. The only explanation I can think of is that David Leach doesn't land the ending. 
So all of these assassins are on a train. And that's essentially the general plot. You've kind of seen this sort of story before. Mm. They all have their own stories. They all have their own secrets. But somehow they're all interconnected. And you don't know why that is. It's only at the end when they meet the big bad, the white death, do you get some idea as to why and how all of this came to be. And that piece of exposition wasn't the problem. I think it was the circumstances around it. I think I was going to say up until that point, everything kind of felt real and raw and in your face. But once we reached that third act climax, it suddenly became a CGI fest that kind of pulled me out of the film. Because obviously there's going mm. to be this massive train crash. And I understand there's only so much they can do while shooting this over COVID. I mean, they didn't even get a chance to go to Japan. The original idea was to go and shoot in Japan. But in the end, they had to use the kind of stage show ILM screens. Yeah. And, and yeah. I believe, to be fair, I believe they actually shot the entire journey. From Tokyo to Kyoto. Yes, yes, that's what I read, yeah. And a lot of the actors actually ended up getting train sick because it was so real. But that aside, yes, there's going to be a big train crash. You need it in this kind of movie. It seems to be building up to it. But the CGI-ness of it at the end kind of pulled me out of it. Like, I'm not saying it was gratuitous. It wasn't It wasn't like some big CGI slugfest, blah, blah, blah. The point where I sort of stumbled a little bit out of the story was when the reasons why all these guys are here. In a lot of ways, I think I would have preferred it if it was all accidental. When the reveal happened, it felt too easy. The reveal wasn't a character thing where one of the characters sort of pieces it all together. It wasn't a cerebral moment where, oh, look, all this was part of the plan. Ha ha ha, you know, big evil laugh at the end. It just felt a bit, eh, okay. But getting to that point, I liked. I liked everything coming up to that point. But I will also agree with you. In about two weeks, I will have remember having seen the film, I won't remember a lot of the pieces. None of the action was particularly special. It was all good. You know, it wasn't like the first time those assassins, mm, assassins, gangsters, came and attacked John Wick in his house. It wasn't the big fight in nobody in the garage at the end. There was no moment of this where I was thinking to myself, holy crap, that was cool. There's one quick bit I thought that was cool. When the elder uses his samurai knife on the chairs and he was using his walking stick as a way to push the chairs. But again, it was just this quick character thing, but nothing stands out as like, holy crap, that was awesome. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. I think for an action movie... The action sequences weren't necessarily stand out. They were mm. well choreographed and cool, but nothing memorable. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry were memorable as Tangerine and Lemon. I think the both of them had fantastic chemistry. They were really, really funny. I think Joey King was pretty good. She played menacing sociopath really well. And I, I'm always a fan of whenever Hiroyuki Sanada shows up and here he plays the elder. But of course, in Hollywood, he is the standard Japanese guy you go to whenever you require an older Japanese gentleman. So I'm always happy when he's there. He's great. When you require an older Japanese gentleman who fights. I think if you just require an older gentleman who speaks English, you go for... Ken Watanabe. Yes. Ken Watanabe. Correct. Yeah, that's that who right. you go for. If that you want right. someone who fights with like a... 
you know, with a sword and shit, you go for this guy. Yeah. I love all those pieces. I think all the characters work. I think the dialogue's beautiful. My other complaint, it feels like Brad Pitt's not in this enough for a Brad Pitt movie. Is it just me or does it feel like Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Brian Terry Henry got more character dialogue moments when Brad Pitt was just stumbling along the train quite a bit? I'm not sure how much actual screen time there was between them, but you're right, it did feel like there was too little Brad Pitt, especially since the shining beacon in this movie is Brad Pitt. Like, it it, it is proof that Brad Pitt can plonk himself down in an average film and make it shine. Like, I think if it weren't for Brad Pitt in this movie, I don't think we'd like it as much. There is something oh, about his charm and his wit and the way he plays Ladybug that is just absolutely fantastic. He is so watchable. Like, this is a reminder of why... He is one of the greatest that ever lived. I say it all the time, especially when it comes to Brad Pitt movies. This is the Brad Pitt I want to see. And I say that for all the Brad Pitt movies I've seen. But he's played all these different characters. But I love this charming... He's not bumbling, but he's just being... You know what it is? He's being dragged along by the story. He doesn't want to be there. As a character, he doesn't want to be there. His mission is small. He wants to get out. He's done with it. He just wants to go find a little temple somewhere and ask the questions of life. But he keeps getting dragged along in this story. And and he does that very, very well. And look, I want to just point out, he does a lot of that fight work himself. You can tell it's him, right? The one thing I was wondering, there's a bit towards the end in the third act when he's thrown back into the train and he's folded over like a pretzel and i'm just like dude you're in your 50s how are you still doing that how do you get in that position because that's gonna hurt tomorrow and i love seeing him do that he's brad pitt motherfucker that's how um, you will have a good time at the cinema when you go and watch you will this. have a good time in the cinema i have no doubt you won't remember it three days later yes this is one of those movies where in a couple of months, you will ask yourself, when it shows up on TV, you'll go, wait, did I see that movie? Oh, yes. No, no. I saw that movie. This is that movie. I go back to what I said in my review. It is fun, but dispensable. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a bad thing, because if all you want is two hours and seven minutes of enjoyment, then this is worth the price of your ticket. Yes. But as far as action movies of this vein go, action comedies of this vein go, there are better, cleverer ones out there. And it yeah. feels like this is David Leach by the numbers. Like he didn't have to stretch himself to make this. Like we know what he's yeah, capable no, of. No, I get that. And yeah. it feels like David Leach could phone this in. This is comfortably within his wheelhouse. Yes. This is comfortably within his wheelhouse. This was not a hard film for him to do. Yeah, like, I mean, he's uncredited on John Wick, but he was a co-director on John Wick, okay? And I think that's common knowledge. He did Atomic Blonde. I think Hobbs and Shaw probably had more uniqueness to it than this, despite being a Fast and the Furious franchise. And he was a producer on Nobody. So he's made all of these movies that we've referenced in this movie. And he's playing homage to the Coen brothers and Tarantino in his own way as well. And so all of it feels weirdly derivative. Yeah, but I will say 
take nothing away from it, this is absolutely one of those movies you need to watch in the cinema. Oh, for sure. Don't do yourself the disservice of listening to this and thinking that you can just wait for for it to show up on TV because it will, it'll be fine, but it won't be as fun. You watch this on TV, you will be pausing a lot because you'll be distracted, you'll be playing with your phone, you know, you'll go and get the pizza in the fridge, but you will miss out on the experience of this movie and i think that's the problem it is remarkably well made and it is an action movie that was made for the big screen and all of it does pay off i think i believe it's going to be showing in imax as well i'm not sure i need to confirm that i know it's showing in imax overseas i'm just not sure if it's showing in imax in malaysia but if it is go check it out there just check it out on the biggest screen possible you will not be disappointed like we said fun movie great time at the cinema just a little dispensable. So check out Bullet Train. It is showing in Malaysian cinemas from tomorrow. That's Thursday, August 4th. Let us know what you think once you've seen it. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds. That's GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline 012-524-5208. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Goggler Podcast.